Welcome to episode eight of Sullivan Street, where we're going to talk about the uh, Los Angeles Banshee tour and wrap up our thoughts about the Banshee tour in general. But first, let's talk to Chris. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been uh, anxiously waiting to hear about your thoughts on these shows uh, because they haven't gone up on Nugs yet. I was, I was. You told me I was ready to like listen to your two shows and be able to talk about um, the. Uh, what's been going on, but I'm just going to have to trust you. Um, yes, it, it, it is a building block in our relationship. <laughs> and thank you. And it, it is your right. Trust is a big thing. And I'll probably break it every so often, but mostly I'll be okay. Um, the, yeah, it is funny. I guess the Troubadour show was like this as well, but, but, I, but I was um, thinking like, this is the first time. And I didn't take notes during the shows, but this is the first time and almost like rationalizing why I had to see him twice on the same tour. Like, Oh, it's for journalistic purposes. Now that I have the podcast, <laughs> I have to uh, keep up to date with these things, turn it into a full-time job. Um, so, yeah. So, officially, uh, I didn't count how many uh, they've had, but the uh, right now is the eve of the Berkeley show. I guess maybe not the eve, but this, they're playing the Berkeley show tonight, which I guess we've called, right? That's supposed to be their hometown show, usually. Essentially, right? I mean, Berkeley is the sort of the starting point, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Supposedly, that's like one of their special shows. I don't think they really changed the set list that much for the Berkeley show ever. Um, I do think, from what I've heard, they try to put a little extra effort into the, their shows there. Um, and I would like to see, you know, I actually said to somebody yesterday, I have two friends up near there. And uh, one who I actually have, I don't want to say turned into a crow's head, but I took him to a show a couple of years ago and he was really impressed how uh, good they were live and is actually going to see them uh, tonight, uh, partly because of that. Uh, but, but yeah, maybe next time I would see them, uh, there, but, uh, not this sort. but after today, uh, they have, I guess, officially one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight shows left. So, so we are going to use this as the, uh, kind of our thoughts about the tour in general. Yeah, please. You were gonna yeah. We're getting one. towards the, although I, they have at times, sometimes it's like those last three shows where they're like, we're busting something out. So yeah, this has definitely been a summer of, them kind of going back into the catalog a bit and finding some things they hadn't been playing and or hadn't been playing a lot. Um, I, I was sometimes surprised I'd see something pop up on a set list and you go back to last year and it's like, actually, they did play that two times last year. Mm. You just sort of kind of forgotten it. But they have been, I feel like, getting more into the rest of their catalog than they were oh, over the course of the summer. Right? Yes, They've been yes. kind of slowly dip, dipping in. And I took some. I have some stats about that, which we'll okay. get into after um, I talk about my shows. And the one thing I was going to say, because we kind of hinted about this um, when the Banshee tour kicked off, but if they've done fifty nine shows this year, and what did I say? There's eight more to go, or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so they're into the sixties. This would mean that it, it is the most that they've toured since twenty fifteen. Okay. Uh, in twenty fifteen, they did eighty, a little over eighty shows, which oh, itself wow. was the largest amount they've done since 2008 so um which uh yeah so so yeah so this, so this has been a major show i mean a major tour for them yeah and well it's a little bit the and if you think about it you combine it if you think about the, the calendar year right if not just the sorry a rolling year in last fall they went to europe right so right. if you combine this year up to september plus all the stuff they did in the fall last year maybe comes probably close to 80 shows. Um, and again, no, that, it sort of makes sense because this is finally, 
it took them kind of a while to do the Butter Miracle tour. 2015 is really the Somewhere Under Wonderland tour, right? That yes. album got released in the fall. And yep. um, and then 2008 is the Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings tour. Exactly. Essentially. So it's interesting, though, that this is it finally they finally gotten to that point. Although, of course, um, as they got towards the end of this tour in the U.S., they stopped playing the suite basically altogether. Um, and so it's the, the not quite the Butter Miracle tour yeah. anymore. They, the, although I guess kind of the U.S. got the Butter Miracle tour in 21 and 22. It's a little that's bit, right. You know, right. It's been I mean, a little right, bit officially when I saw them in 2021, it, they, they called it the Butter Miracle tour. Right. An interesting fun fact for Crow's Heads, the uh, the and this, I guess, would have tied to recovering the satellites and maybe the height of their popularity um, that the according to Setlist, the most they've ever toured in one year, 1997, almost 140 shows. Yeah, that's a lot of shows. <laughs> that's a lot of shows. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's a little fun fact. That for makes it. sense because they basically toured. They toured Europe multiple times. They toured. They did a giant U two U.S. tours, right? They did a spring tour and a a giant summer tour. And of course, they did the stuff in the fall with the ten spot and all that stuff. So it's yeah, it's interesting. Makes sense though, I guess that that was the peak. And also, probably, I guess the probably the peak of their popularity is as a live band. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I got to see them uh, twice in the in Los Angeles, and we're going to call this episode Los Angeles or the LA Metro. So I'm not counting uh, San Diego in there, even though that's part of quote SoCal. Yeah. So uh, at first, I saw them in Highland, which is pretty funny, and even well, I, I'll get to that later. So Highland, so there's a casino in 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 Highland. So part of this will be that they played a casino show here, and and mm. of course they played a casino show in Vegas as well. Um, officially, I think it's in San Bernardino. Now it says Highland because San Bernardino has a rough and tumble, um, uh, you know, reputation. And, um, so I think that's kind of Highland is officially like kind of a neighborhood and, or almost a, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it because it's not really a suburb, uh, of, of San Bernardino. So, uh, casino, uh, there, uh, from the San Manuel tribe and they've renamed it uh, Yamava for those that don't know. And as I told somebody yeah. else, they actually own and recently bought the Palms Casino oh. in Las Vegas, which is why they played at the Palms Casino in Las Vegas a couple days later. So, uh, uh, and, and somebody told That's me because Yamava. So, so the one interesting thing about both my shows and the other one I saw was the YouTube theater is that both of these uh, venues are considered theaters and they were both built in the last three years. Oh, um, the, all the brand, brand new. Yes. The YouTube theaters. theater in Inglewood. So that's kind of, it's not connected physically, but it like is 20 steps away basically from the SoFi stadium where the Rams uh, and the chargers play. There's a little courtyard separating them. They're, they're in gotcha. the same, com they're in the same complex. Um, so, so that was built. Not even Los Angeles either. That's Inglewood. Inglewood. Exactly. So, and they even say that there. So yeah, but at least that one, cause the Highland yeah. is a little debatable about whether that's real address there or not. Um, but <laughs> always confused if, if places outside of Los Angeles are also good places to find yourself a taco. San Bernardino would be right. So uh, be, San Bernardino does not have a great reputation, but it has one of the best reputations for Mexican food. And oh. in fact, if you, and it's not in the best neighborhood, but there is a restaurant in San Bernardino. Um, so, so I think uh, Taco Bell originally started in San Bernardino oh. the chain. <laughs> And so not only that, but supposedly the urban legend is, and actually you can see this, this was featured in CBS Sunday mornings, um, that the restaurant they stole it from, the idea of the hard shell taco was also from San Bernardino. 
And that restaurant is still in business. I think it's the Mitla Cafe. You can look it up. Oh, interesting. Um, so you can so go yeah. to the, the actual originator of the hard shell taco. Exactly. That Taco That's Bell now, uh, now took advantage of. So, um, yeah. So so they played. And one thing, um, I did hear it, but you have maybe a little more thoughts because you've seen them before. The one interesting thing about this show and a couple of the others, but uh, very few, is that Dashboard Confessional did not join them. Mm. Now, I think it was partly because of break, but I also think it might have had something to do with the venue. Well, um, and maybe with the theater, the deal they were cutting with the yes. theater in terms A, well, I always say two things with theaters that can make them different, right, is uh, with casinos. Uh, one, again, the deal that's getting cut has... I assume it has to be sort of different than the deal that an amphitheater would cut just generally. But then also I would think that casinos like their show shorter. Mm. And my assumption would be that Frank Turner was taking a set. I don't know how long he played for, but I assume he was taking a much shorter set than dashboard. And it may not have just been efficient to be like, well, we're going to get dashboard here and have him play 30 minutes. That's not going to make everyone happy or the crows are not going to play a headlining set. And so the yeah, deal, I think he been, they went their separate play, ways for a week or something. I think he did play a little shorter actually. And, and the crows themselves played a couple songs shorter than they have hmm. in 18 that show as opposed to 20 or 21. Um, not much. And someone said, it's funny because now that, so yeah. So as I said, the YouTube theater in Inglewood has only been about three years old. Um, and then this theater, the Yamava Theater, in fact, it even got featured in some L.A. articles because it was even newer. I think it's only officially one year old or one oh, and wow. a half. So the was acoustics nice? are supposed to be oh, – the theater itself is very nice. And the acoustics are just like YouTube are, I'm told, state of the art. And somebody told me outside the show, which I kind of guessed anyway, if you looked at the Yamava, uh, um, like who's been playing there recently, well, first of all, it looks like – the best of for anybody that grew up in the nineties, like Dave Matthews was playing there, smashing pumpkins. There's a couple, I just, it's it, some of the names are escaping me, but in the late summer, they, yeah, it, it was like a greatest hit. And someone told me, cause I was like, geez, only 3000, the YouTube theater, 6,000. So this venue is 3000. Somebody said, Oh, they're paying big, big, big time money to these artists to show up. So they're hmm. not making the money off the, uh, the ticket prices. Um, so, uh, so anyway, well, that's the other casino thing, right? They're trying to get people in who have names so that people will come gamble. Yeah, gamble before and after. Yep, yeah, exactly. And then we ate, I ate dinner there, so I get it. They made money that way. Um, so you said, what are your thoughts on Frank Turner? He's interesting. I didn't know a lot about him. He's British. He said he flew flew in just the night. Like He's like, I just flew in 10 hours ago from the UK. Um, and you said you've seen him a couple times? Yeah, if you, so he's, um, I feel like, connected to sort of the New Jersey punk scene uh, for whatever reason, just relationships and stuff like that. Um, so I saw him at a festival, geez, uh, 10 over 10 years ago uh, in basically a parking lot in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and I've also seen him uh, open for Counting Crows in um, in New York a couple of years ago and on the first leg of the Butter Miracle Tour. Uh, and he's good. I like him. I'm, he's not someone I'm a, a big fan of or a go-to. I have some friends who really are very big Frank Turner fans and I get it and appreciate it. I, I enjoy him. Um, my favorite poster artist, uh, Jeff Everett Rockers of Red has done some really cool stuff for him too. Oh, okay. um, so I get it with him and I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm a fan, but not a, he, he's in the middle of my list of counting crows um, supporters. Okay. Of support acts. I mean, one thing I love is, and this actually came up with Dashboard Confessional, even, even though, of course, I want everybody to be a diehard Crows fan. I also like really appreciate and love when there's random fans that basically came there for Frank Turner. 
or, yeah. or for dashboard. I, I always get a kick out of that too. Um, in fact, the, 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 well, it wasn't a couple, it was two cousins next to me mm. and one was a Crows fan and one was a Frank Turner fan. So that's why they decided to, to go to the show together. Um, We'll talk about it later, but, you know, Casino, I'd love to hear other people's thoughts. That's my first true casino show. I did go to one uh, in the House of Blues in in, in, in New Jersey, but offic- but even though it was at a casino, it was not at a, it was not a casino show. It was general admission. It was all younger people. This, and it was, you know, different generation. This, a lot of the people near me, they're like, oh, I won the tickets. I was comp the tickets. Uh, my work gave me tickets. Um and we'll talk about this. The, 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 the crow sounded great, um, and I even wrote you about it. They, I think sometimes they can ignore the crowd. It's not that crowd was bad, and the crowd wasn't. You know, some American crowds. We've talked about this. People are just drunk or talking to themselves the whole time, right. and that aggravates me. They're not even listening. I had one or two songs that came up in the LA show, but um, this one, no, the crowd was very polite. They just did not really know the crows that well. Um, yeah. They did know their major songs. Um, and in fact, you know, because of that, you know, what got one of the biggest uh, audiences approval was when they started playing uh, Big Yellow Taxi, right? Because people know that song. Right. Yeah, the hits. Well, that's the thing. You get that casino crowd that's very, yeah, they're they're, they're probably there for the hits on the whole. Yeah. Um, a lot of people got comp tickets. The energy level tends to be a little lower. And I tend to avoid casino shows for that reason, unless it's something where, it's going to be general admission in the front. Like the, the Borgata in Atlantic city does a similar thing where it's like, it's general admission in the front and the seats are oh, right. sort of behind it. And so yes. if you're comping people seats, at least they're not the people in the front row. Yes. As opposed I, to the highest roller gets the front row seat and they're just sort of sitting there for, and not having a good time. I just know. love those venues. I want more of the, and that's what I said they had in the UK and what I miss. And actually it kind of came up in the LA cause they want, some of the fans wanted to treat that even though it was seats as a general admission where you could stand up, you know what I mean? Oh, that, that, okay. <laughs> that not general admission, but that they, that they wanted to stand the whole time. Sure. A lot yeah. of them. But then, but of course there's 20% of the people that are like, Hey, I paid $500 for these seats. Like sit down in front of me. Right. You get that whole thing. Where I like, yeah, when I was in the UK, a lot of the venues was, as you said, a pit kind of in the front for those that want to do that. And then the seats in the back. So, um, yeah. And the Crows are kind of a weird fight with that. And that the energy is, I generally prefer to stand for a Counting Crow show. Yes, me too. I also get that it's not necessarily music you need to be up and dancing to. Right. Or certain songs, especially, you don't really need to be up for. So there's kind of that weird tension. I think it's true of a lot of bands like this, that sort of mid-tempo Americana rock band that it makes sense to stand for, but it's also not it's not it's not weird to me that people are like I'm just going to sit down oh, and enjoy no. this. So it's kind, but it's hard in the stand, in the seated venues for that reason, right? Where there's that tension between if yep. one person stands up and you're like, well, I want to sit down. I I don't know. It's the endless Uh-oh. fight, right? It's it's, I know. it's the tale as old as time. There's the person that's like, no, I paid for this ticket and I I get to stand up, and the other person being like, I paid for this ticket and I get to sit down. And it's like maybe we could all just agree on sections or something exactly i I, exactly and i've even seen that at sports games like when i went to college yeah some when i went to college and stuff that no i agree and i would europeans have it with soccer right the europeans kind of have the like here's the section for the yelling people here's the section for the people that just want to sit and enjoy the game like someone explained to me the first time i bought tickets to soccer in italy where they were like Oh, that you want? What section do you want? What do you want to do? And they were like, he, he, "This one's for this." I was like, "Oh, 
interesting. I think I'm going to do this. I think that's what I'm going to do. But, but you're uh, right. Concert should have that. I think concert should have that. Yeah. And you're right. Like time and time again, you don't have to stand up. But right. For me, it's a religious experience going to the Crow Show. So I do want to stand up for time and time again. But I also have this kind of guilt. I don't know. It's not Catholic guilt, but I don't like blocking the people in back of me, you know, or behind me. So I tend not to stand up unless everybody else is. So, yeah, yeah. we'll see. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, Yamava show was which one thing was great, Chris, that just like the show you saw in New York, they did a tribute to us by starting it off with Sullivan Street. They know. There's, they know. They know. And, they know. and I, was, I was so happy about, um, about that to hear. Because that was the first time, obviously, I've heard it since uh, we started the podcast. And um, I was all in. It, it is one of my – and it actually – and we'll talk about that with the L.A. show. They started – well, I'll even say it now. Both of these shows started with maybe my two favorite – Crow opener songs, which is Sullivan Street. And then the LA show, they started with Catapult, which I Ooh, love as yeah. an opener. I guess Mrs. Potter's is maybe my other one, although I've only seen that once, maybe of them opening, but that's another great opener. But both of them are like, they're they're not total deep cuts, but they're not one of the hits. And I just, yeah, they, they both of them put me in a great mood. Uh, yeah. So was the Sullivan Street. Now, it's funny. One of the things I was going to say about you know, some of the songs is that, Hey, I like this song, but I've kind of heard this enough already. You know, I don't need Mm -hmm. to hear it again. For some reason, I never seem to feel that way about the, which was the number two song in both shows, which I got to see St. Now St. Robinson, Mm -hmm. because I just think that song is so great. I, so far I've never gotten sick of seeing St. Robinson live. And we're going to talk about this later for whatever reason, I've seen them play that at half the shows that I've gone to. And that is not a song they play that often. And it's really ironic because it is my sister's favorite song that they play. Mm -hmm. And I think literally every show I've gone with my sister with maybe four times, they played St. Robinson. Well, uh, hey, again, they're (laughs) they're, 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 they're pleasers. (laughs) They're crowd pleasers. I also, I would say, I the one thing I will say about that song is that I, I really like it and I like it live. I really love, there was like a 2000, like 2003, 2004, they were doing an acoustic version of that. And oh, it'd be yeah. really cool to see them bring that back at some point, just because it's a unique take on it. I, and I like, the, I like the original. The original, the, they play it pretty close to the original now. Um, I, I kind of, I really like that acoustic version they'd worked up and they just kind of have, they abandoned it at some point a long time ago. But I'd be interested to hear them play that again. But and, I think, and, yeah. And as much as they've gone more, and we'll talk about this, to playing a lot of the greatest hits every show, boy, I got to give Crow's credit to to start off, you know, that there are two songs or three of the, you know, quote unquote, top two songs that I've seen were St. Robinson, Sullivan Street, and Catapult. So it's not like they're only playing their, you know, greatest hits. I mean, I guess you can argue Sullivan Street because it was on August. But, you know, one interesting thing about St. Robinson is not interesting thing. One observation mm-hmm. I had is that. You know, somebody was writing on one of the forums or something about, you know, hey, Adam is not 20 years old anymore. Uh, You know, his, you know, there's certain songs that maybe he can't hit the certain notes. Maybe, uh, you know, he's always talked about Up All Night is, I think, difficult for him to sing live Mm -hmm. now and some of the other ones. So I did notice in the last couple of years, because I've seen St. Robinson a couple of times, that when he does the final, you know, get into my car and drive, that he's been singing that, I guess, would be an octave lower or whatever, Mm -hmm. because it's really high. And which is fine, but that was my, and I get that, but that was always my favorite part of the song. Like that is that I just love that part so much. And guess what? For the Inglewood show, the LA show, he, he tried to, he did, but he, I think Mm -hmm. if I caught it correctly, he played it in the original octave 
Interesting. So, and I think that he's he seems like from interviews and things like that, but it seems like he again, this is where people I, I see sometimes people go like, well, Adam doesn't sing like this anymore. And it's like you saw one show um, listening to a lot of shows over the course of the tour or parts of them this summer. You can really hear there are nights when he's kind of in full voice and he's really got it. And there's other nights where he's either for mood reasons or just where his voice feels like he's like he's not hitting or going jump in the same way and, and it's I think going to be every it's going to be different every night based on where his voice is it's going to be it, it's nature of a voice right yeah. it's not the same every time and i think he tries to protect one thing i've read about them is that he tries to protect his voice now so he doesn't right. mess up the whole tour and my impression and we'll get this to about the la show the inglewood show is that he tried to hit more high like i think he took that show very seriously you know mm. he was spent time in la I think he let it all go. There were certain songs that I thought he, and I don't think that his mood necessarily was better. I just think for either the audience or he had friends there, or he just thought, Hey, this is a big show. And I expected the Berkeley today that he's like, I'm going to try to hit maybe some of the notes uh, that maybe I wouldn't try at a quote unquote regular show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that also you might get, again, just he taught, does talk, talk to the New York show that I was at about having lots of friends there. Plus you get that kind of adrenaline of, of yes. just sort of having performing for your friends. And it's a little bit different. Um, I was at a place recently that it was played on my for my wife's birthday essentially, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm in good voice today, and I feel like it's it's uh it's a friends and family show. We're gonna we're going for some stuff." And I'm like, "Okay, I believe <laughs> you. I trust you. I I think you always sound good, but I, you tell me it's better. I, you know, no, that's um, great. And then it, so both uh, shows then the third and fourth uh, cuts were Mr. Jones, which is uh, that's a fine place to play Mr. Jones. You got to play at number three, get the crowd going after two deeper cuts. And then color now colorblind is a song. I like colorblind. Um, is it my favorite song off desert? Like, no, I that's maybe the one song on the set list. I don't really need to see for a while. I've, I've seen it a lot. Um and I, I, I don't, you know, I, I do understand it's kind of a, a, a crowd favorite uh, because of Cruel Intentions. I, I do laugh. One thing I was thinking is like, one thing I love about the Crows, you know, for Colorblind, they, they bring the xylophone out, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's the only song that they yeah. use the xylophone. I just love that. They're like, I'm, we're keeping it right. Because they could probably recreate that song on, on Charlie's keyboard. I mean, that, sure. that sound, right? They don't need to have a xylophone. It's almost like when they play... Um, was it Washington Square when he when when um when Jim plays it on the on the books right? Oh, Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Sorry, that when he plays his hands on the books, that they always bring the book right. They could either omit that or recreate the sound a different way or something like that. Well, Washington Square, there's that one big drum that they oh, use right. or that yes, it's yes, Jim's yes. just playing. Yes. and I'm I'm doing this. You, it's an audio medium, so you can't see what I'm doing. But he's just he's just banging away on the one large drum uh, that they only use, as best I can tell, for Washington Square. No, you're right. And uh, bringing the xylophone right takes more room than uh, I don't know. I don't know when uh, Dave Bryson plays his a little. Uh, what does he play on on the big shakers, yellow taxi? Maracas. The shakers, the maracas, exactly. Um, so then you get so another. So, uh, I've said this in the Troubadour, I think review as well. I actually love that they brought Butterfly in reverse, and I and fine. He um, the harmonies are good, and Adam loves singing it. So God bless him. I don't need to see it again, only because I think it's taking a spot from something else. It doesn't. But, you know, I actually heard one interesting thing about Butterfly is I heard somebody behind me who was not a Crows fan, I think at the Yamava show, actually say, whoa, they're like, whoa, that was great. Like they were impressed by this song they never heard and the way it sounded live. I see. Here's here's my pitch would be um, a rotating slot 
of the weird deep pop songs from um, Hard Candy. And right. I'll talk about, well, we have a, a yeah. segment plan later. Right. But, uh, I'll talk about it there. But I think there's there's a lot of ones like that that are super unique from that. And I think yep. it's cool. They've started to play, play Butterfly in reverse again. But yeah, to have it at the same time every night, you know. Yeah. It's what it, 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 yeah, it doesn't need. Uh, so then we got Omaha, which is a crowd favorite. Now, as I said, I, I, when I wrote you at, on the Yamava show, the casino show, I said, well, that was the example because it didn't seem like anybody. Uh, that's not true. Not anybody. Very low percentage of people in the audience knew Omaha when he tries to get them to sing the Omaha part. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Oh, slightly more did it at the um, at the Inglewood show. So then in Inglewood, he threw, uh, oh, the, both of them then. So they're a very similar set list. So both of them, mm. number seven was Richard Manuel. Um, did now, he talk about Robbie Robertson before either he, of those? Not in the first one, but he did it in the second one. So please talk about that if you heard that. Yeah, there was one, um, and he, he'd done it. Uh, there was, I think the longest time he, he spoke about it was r- right after Robbie Robertson had died. But Robbie Robertson of the band, who um, was influential in their early career. And it was interesting, kind of a, a dot connecting sort of thing. Obviously, um, Adam, a big fan of the band, talked about that. Um, but talking about how um, Robbie Robertson was the one that gave them the advice. Someone had sort of hooked them up for something and when they were starting out and gave them the advice about recording in a house because the, the band had famously recorded um, a lot of their classic records in a house called Big Pink. Hence the title of the one of their biggest records, music from Big Pink. Um, and also that it was Robbie Robertson who was the musical director for um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, where before they even had the record out, they came out and did Caravan because Van Morrison hadn't been willing to show up for his Hall of Fame induction. But that that was that connection, too. And that basically, you know, Robbie was kind of like an early supporter and a champion and a little bit of a mentor. And, you know, Richard Manuel was Robbie's uh, bandmate in uh, the band. Uh, right. It's always hard to talk about the band sometimes. In the band, the band. Right. The band, the um, band. But the key was the keyboard player. And so obviously Richard Manuel is dead. It's about the morning that Adam finds out that Richard Manuel has died. And so sort of an appropriate song to sing um, in honor of Robbie Robertson and talk about that. And it does seem like they've been putting that song in the set list a lot I think because of that, that they've been sort of feeling yes. that and it's been sort of yes. a, a little bit of a tribute and they've just been on the kick of, of playing that song. And it's always been one of those songs. I guess I'll put St. Robinson in that group that they like playing it live, even though it never. Oh, no. You know what? I won't put St. Robinson in his group because in theory, Richard Manuel was a single, right? We forgot about that. They are actually is a video. Kind of, but it's, it's kind of not really. Single. It was not a big single. Certainly. No, not, it's not at all. Something that, no. Yeah. No. So, um, um, but I was like, but they always like playing that one live. Um, that's, I'm glad you did a really, I was actually going to mention, I couldn't remember his name, the rock, but, but you did a much better job summarizing <laughs> their tribute for that. It's funny. I, one of the, and I didn't get her name and she didn't write me yet, but, um, we'll talk about it later. I met a, a, a couple fans at both shows, a couple more in the LA show that are hardcore fans and might even want to, and actually a few expressed interest on, in joining us on the podcast one day. But one of them I, uh, talked to, she was kind of, I guess near the bar area. And, but the one thing that made me laugh is she was wearing a shirt for the band. Mm. And I was like, I was like, uh, I said, if Adam sees that, he's going to love it. Cause I said, that's one of his <laughs> favorite bands. Right. I know he loves big star and, and the band as, as it, when he mentioned some of his favorite bands of all time. Um, yeah. And I love that. So I, I think, um, again, it's a song they've never deviated too much from the original arrangement live, 
But I do really like that song, and I think it's a – it is kind of an interesting meditation song, right? I mean, that song is about – it's kind of about Richard Manuel dying, but it's really about the fleetingness of lots of things. And he's yes. talking about this, but just that that uh, that interesting sense. And it's also always interesting to me because it's a song that was written in, you know, 2001 or so, 2000, 2001, something like that. Uh, but it's really – it's about – 15 years before that because Richard yes. Manuel passed away in the mid eighties. And right. so it is, it's one of those interesting things when people talk about, you know, how, uh, if you're, if you're not going through something today, if you're in a happy place, how could you write a song that's deep and meaningful? And it's like, well, sometimes the answer is you think about something that happened 15 years ago and it strikes you as important and you write about that, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's, it's the best that, um, it's, uh, the version that they played on this tour was the best I've heard, right? I think there's a couple little things they cleaned up or whatever. Mm. It just sounded great. And, um, you know, there's a little showman. You know, I mean, one thing, of course, if you see the Crows all the time, which which totally makes sense, there's certain things they're going to do. I don't know. Omaha is a good example, right? Omaha, he always goes to one side of the stage and then he goes to the other side of the stage and he goes to the middle. Yeah. Um, so Richard Manuel, there's a couple parts that they kind of have it all uh, set up now. And there's even one part that he always hugs Dan mm. near the end. Yeah. And he's like, when, when the, and the yeah, morning's coming down or whatever. And, but it's always a nice and they do, and, they, and they're singing together while they're kind of hugging there. And uh, no, great. It, yeah, is it my favorite song? No, but it was like you said. It was very, it was very good version both times, and I enjoyed it. Um, then in both of well, in 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 uh, Inglewood, they added an extra one. They added Anna Begins, which, as I said before, I I love the quote unquote concert version of Anna Begins, which some people don't like, but I love it. I that I'm with you. Yeah, I I I don't really get sick of Anna Begins. It sounds great. Yeah, it's a classic song. Uh, oh. In the YouTube version, though, uh, YouTube version, the YouTube theater, he did say, oh, so he messed up one of the, and I caught it. So he messed up a lyric in the beginning. And I was like, Jesus, he realized that. And then he didn't, it, what he did was he he skipped a lyric. So he started singing, he said something, and then he said it again. And he caught himself that he said it again. And he's like, ah, oh, shit. Like, so he had the place, like, laughed. And then he, he got at his little um, lyric book that he always keeps on stage mm-hmm. that he said he never really uses anyway. Like, he actually has all the lyrics in a book on right. stage. And he said, geez, I never really use it because it's not a convenient place. What am I going to read it, actually? So he went, he looked at it for, like, one second and flipped. And then he goes, you know, I did this in Vegas, too, with the same at the same part. <laughs> and then he he kind of hinted something. Now, I don't know if it's because he messed up the lyric two times in a week or because of other reasons or maybe people complain that they like the old version of Anna Begins or whatever. But he was like, this goddamn song, it's always a pain in the ass or something <laughs> like And he was kind of laughing about it. But uh, then he redid it uh, from the beginning. And uh, yeah, it was perfect. But uh, I, I thought that was a funny little uh, moment. Well, one you didn't get, um, you didn't get it either. Show accidentally in love, right? Which they've played. No, I did not. A few times this summer, but the interesting thing, listening to the versions as they went on Nugs, um, was that it was an increasing journey for Adam to finally actually get the lyrics all the way correct. Oh. He seemed to have the verses sort of done, but then they would go into that bridge part, um, like "Come on, you know the world is turning." Like or getting the order of those right, it seemed just completely escaped him. And you could hear each time when he screwed it up, he's like, oh, not it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And he, so at I, one point, I think he actually says, like, I wrote this song. I'm the one who wrote it. So it's my fault that there's too many words right. going too fast. Why does it work like this? It's, it's, I only have myself to blame. 
for the my inability to actually pull this together. Although I think the most recent version I heard, I do believe they got he got all of the words in the right order at the right pacing. So it's it's taken them some time, but I think and then I, I think that's a great song and they should play that one more. So yeah, I, I, you're right. It's almost something got me thinking that the speed of lyrics. Now I could be totally wrong about this, but uh, accidentally in love and the other one that comes to mind not as quick would be uh, Earthquake Driver. Hmm. that they have that kind of quick and you have to know all the like like they can't be easy to sing not because of the range of the of the of the notes but because of the speed of the lyrics and and that they come up so yeah okay yeah um so then both of them played kind of in the next spot they both played uh children in bloom which deep cut they brought back I think it sounds great. Is Children Blue one of my favorite songs? No, but I do like it a lot. And it's one that it's one of those songs that, you know, as everybody kind of a hardcore fan knows, that maybe the first time you heard Recovering, you're like, kind of, what is this? Is this a Crow song? And mm-hmm. then it kind of grows. And then you realize it's kind of genius. And they added a couple. First of all, they give Carpet the band. What did you say? Carpet Crawlers, the Carpet, Genesis okay. song. Okay, it's yeah. A Genesis song. That's a, there. He's singing a snippet, I, and I really like that. He's singing okay. a snippet of the Genesis song, Carpet Crawlers. Okay, I didn't um, catch that. Carpet Crawlers. Can't think of the next, but like you've got to you got to get in to get out. Which um, something oh, about that like, yeah. is again, that's one of those where I'm like, I can't exactly explain the connection, Children in Bloom. But the first time I heard him do it, I'm like, that's perfect. Right. That really accentuates the song in a way that I'm again struggling to articulate. But something about the feeling of that, um, you know, it, again, it's I guess they're both about that feeling of trying to get somewhere of emotionally i guess trying to you know move get yourself somewhere um and that that, that's sort of a connective tissue of those two songs but yeah i would have never thought about that song going there but i i think it sounds great oh it sounds great and it's i guess it's almost like the crows version of a jam song too right Mm, that they all get their like chance to kind of jam out a little bit if you will and even seeing uh, Dave adding his uh, great portion. And, and and you can just tell they like playing it. All the band members. And then it gives him a break near the end, Adam. He gets to sit down yeah. while they while they jam out. Um, there was something else. Oh, one thing, especially in the first half of the song. Um, again, it's, I'd have to record and take, take notes. But uh, Charlie's, por- there's more keyboard added. Mm. And it really adds to the, I guess I want to say, richness of the song. And I, I I can never get enough of Charlie. But he adds some little sound effects. And I don't say sound effect, but yeah, keyboard parts in the first half of the song. And maybe even a little in the second half. I'd have to hear it. But after listening to it twice, I caught it. So anyway, I love it. Because it did I, sound like a slightly different, like a an augmented yes. arrangement yes. from prior versions. And I, exactly. Again, I think I like better. I think it, um, and maybe you're right, it is the keyboard because it's such a guitar song, yep. so to add some a little bit more on the keys that that sticks out, kind of diversifies the sounds of the song a little bit. Um, I mean, some I like some non fans like it because if they're rock fans, that's right. that's the one song that when Emmy kind of and Dan go a little nuts on the guitar, they like that portion. But boy, talk about and again, we'll we'll talk both good and bad about their set list, but. Talk about a deep cut. Children in Bloom is almost the definition of a deep cut, right? Yeah. Except, you know, that it was their second, I guess, what, second best-selling album. But still, that is that is a deep cut. It's not the kind of song that most uh, bands are going to play, like, at this point of their career. Um, yeah, then not, the- played at all, not played at all in uh, 2022 and played, 
Well, no, had, they hadn't played it since 2015 at that point. So, okay. and they played it. They played it ten times now this summer. But I love it. Um, yeah, I, and and again, it's another song where again, it's it's been eight years. It hasn't been 20 years or whatever. But that that one hadn't been in the list at all. And so, good to see that one kind of become part of the sort of common core of songs. Although that is part of the thing I would just note. It's been kind of interesting to watch the progression of the tour because, you know, things would pop out and then they would at some point couple of them one that i think i was i know was coming up on your set list here have become kind of regular yes where um they weren't getting played at all but now again you saw them twice in a week and you saw children yes. in bloom twice yeah you exactly. know so it's, it's sometimes it's a it's shifting as opposed to you know the, the set list changing uh wholesale every night you know? that's right so then um although one he announced it a li- little later the, then you get to the point of the program that you get the uh, acoustic let's just say three songs um, for, for the, um, even though it's not true acoustic for the YouTube theater one, black and blue started. Mm. I, I was fine to hear black and blue. That was one that the crowd a little bit around me started talking and not listening to as much. Um, yeah. So you know, maybe the crowd didn't care except for some fans. There's certainly some fans loved hearing it. The ones that really knew the crows. Um, and then in YouTube uh, theater, they played blues run the game. Uh, which I've seen before a couple times, so I didn't need to see it. But I will say, absolutely no doubt, that was the best version of it I ever heard. Um, hmm. He sat, he he sang it. That was the best I ever heard Adam sing it, and it was the best I ever heard Emmy play it. Like, is Emmy did this where he added extra things, but it hmm. wasn't too too gratuitous. Like you could even argue that sometimes Emmy, maybe even going back to the Children in Bloom. Maybe he's a little excessive or just doing it for the whatever this app. But he added these things to um, Blues Run the Game, at least in my opinion, compared to like the studio version and even what I remember seeing live. Mm. I thought, yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Uh, when I first started, I'm like, oh, I've heard this a lot. But after the end of it, I was like, whoa, that was that was amazing. And then going to um, then we'll talk about one song they shared. Now going to the uh, the Yamava. As you texted me, well, Eric, you were happy to see this. They played the Ballad of El Gudo, yeah, from Big Star. That's such a great me, song. Not only is it a great song, but it sounded perfect. They sounded so good in the harmony. I was like, I cannot believe that they're not talked about for having like. Is there any other band like that sings harmonies as good as them in the last? You know, especially post the seventies. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, yes. no, they're certainly they certainly should be in that that best of conversation. I think, um, in terms of harmony singing bands, they do sound great, and I I love that song. I think oh, he I love kills it. it, and um, it's also just a perfect. There are certain songs that are just perfect, not written by Adam, but perfect Counting Crow songs. Yes, and, that, and I think that's one of them. Thank you. That was exactly. There's a couple songs from Underwater Sunshine that are just perfect Counting Crow song, even if they didn't uh, write that. Um, so yeah, speaking... probably my second or third favorite big star song. Okay. I think yeah, number, we... number one is what's going on. That's, and I don't know if they would kill that as well as they kill El Goodo. So I, uh, fair to the crows for, um, but man, that's a, that's so good. I, I'm a big, I, I really, I really love big star. I think again, large part because, um, Adam Duritz told me many times how good big star was. And it finally got me to go buy those, <laughs> you know, the, 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 it's really the first two records that come used to, they used to come on like a CD together. You could just, okay. Just, okay. Well, I get two records in one. That's a good deal. And I listened to that into final. I was like, Oh, this is, 
this is pretty great. <laughs> no, that that that's um, great. And then talk about in at Yamaha. And again, this is when the crowd wasn't that into it. And think about speaking of harmonies, back to back, the Ballad of El Gudo, followed by Angels of the Silences, and the harmony. Well, if the crowd was that into one. that, then I can. I'll, I'm ready to fight. Yeah, this no, they liked it. I'm just saying that some of them maybe didn't know what it was, and then after they listened to it, they're like, "Oh, that was pretty good." Yeah. Um, so I I talked to you about this on email before. You know, when I heard they brought back Angels of the Silence of the Acoustic, I know hardcore fans love this. I, of course, I love that album. But there was even a part of me that said, well, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not too excited. And also, like, I'd rather hear Angels of the Silence is electric. And even though that might be still true, I absolutely loved seeing this. 10 out of 10, a highlight of the show. It sounded so good. And when I saw all four... I guess it would be the four of them, right? When I saw like in the front, like the, you know, Dan and then, you know, Adam, Emmy, and then Charlie's there with the accordion and then Dave and they're all doing the harmony and it sounded so good. I actually, that was the, maybe the one part of the show both times that I almost, you know, got chills. I just thought it was that good. Yeah. They've, it's interesting because they had played that song a couple of times last year. So it's not a total bust out in that regard, but certainly they played it. They've played it uh, according to Setlist.fm 22 times this summer. Okay. Um, which I it, I will say that is one. Again, I think I've told you I listen to at least some of every show, but I'll skip things, right? I mean, again, if something if I've heard it a few too many times recently, I'm I'm not afraid to go. Okay, I'll check out the next thing. I have I do not skip Angels of the Silences this summer. It is so good. The arrangement is very similar to the original, but again, they're they've tweaked it just a little bit in a way that I think is sounds great. Yep. And they are killing that song. I'm, I've been really happy to hear um, them kind of go back to that. I kind of, it does make me wonder, there's been a little bit of rumor swirling about a recovering the satellites, like reissue thing. Mm. It is interesting to me that as those conversations have happened, they've rediscovered angels of the silences. They've rediscovered children in bloom, you know, yeah, you never is know. There, is there a chance we're going to get like a a whole album concert at some point to punctuate it, like when they did August? I, yeah, you know, I'd be, I'd certainly be into that. Um, oh yeah, I would love to hear that as well. Uh, so no, I agree with you. Ten out of ten. So we're 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 yeah. we're, we're on the same. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, that's been my again. I think that's my like. If I had to pick like a song of the summer from the band, I think it's that. Yes. I think them bringing that back and playing it so consistently so well, I've been like. Yeah, you guys no. just keep playing that. Don't worry about it. I don't care if it's the same every. Just keep going. No, I think you're right. I think that would be the one, and then maybe the, the number two would be Children in Bloom, and then one other that's going to come up in a second. Well, I guess yeah. two others that are going to come up in a second. Um, so, uh, and yeah, we already talked about this. And, and Yamava, they played uh, the Big Yellow Taxi. Then we get into the round here in Palisades Park. Uh, Palisades Park is a song that I definitely have. Um, more uh appreciation to and i and I, I one thing i appreciate about palisades park is that and i know it was a complicated song to write adam is so proud of the song and loves singing it that i do get into it partly because of that as well plus yeah. i like the changing of the I, so so that is a song now that maybe for maybe not the first time but the second time i heard it live i was like yeah it's kind of a longer song i'd have other songs that i put up there now I, I really am appreciating hearing it and i thought he sounded great singing it both times so yeah. one thought that was funny was that is that there was one woman at the youtube theater in the front middle who when like the first time the tempo kicks in um that she went nuts it's like you could tell that that was absolutely her favorite song like <laughs> so crazy about it 
and she was next to her whatever partner, boyfriend, husband or something. Um, I don't know how old she was. I want to say late 50s or something, maybe uh, even early 60s. But I just loved it. Like you could tell that was her favorite song and to hear it live and when it started to get and I was almost getting pumped up for her. So um, did you get any all of, of the of the Alton round here in the uh, middle? Yeah, you know, you know what's funny about me is sometimes I don't even catch it or I think, oh, this is an alt I've heard before. Um, so I'm not sure. I know that he played an alt both times. I just start, starting with like, what are you waiting for? Yeah, yeah. Summer's gone. The that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I like, I've liked that. I think they, they've gone back. There are some, you know, the round tier versions were coming down to like six, six and a half minutes at the beginning of the tour, and now they're they're back up to eight because they've got that middle part. Um, and I, I like, I think it's a good, um, and we're planning to do a little more on around here alts, maybe in the next episode, but I think, I think, I don't know exactly where I'd rank it, but it does seem to me like a really good round here alt. It, it really fits the song. Yeah, and it sounds. I'm, I've enjoyed it and, and seeing it evolve, <laughs> hearing it evolve and. That's great. I was thinking I'm like, you know, we'll all have like, we'll have 10 nicknames for each other. But then, you know, I, was like, I almost wanted to call you the alt master. Alt master. <laughs> No, and I, it's, well, and it's interesting because it's, I will say, again, I listened to every show at least a little bit. And the first time they went into that, I, w- I think I was like walking to the grocery store and I was just like, oh, shoot, there's a new one. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's funny. Debris. I like kind of stop and I'm like, like looking around to make sure like I'm cranking my phone up uh, to hear it as well as I can on my, my headphones. Um, cause I'm like, Ooh, there's, a, there's, he's, we got new words in the middle here. Where's he going with this one? Yep. And um, just like I noticed exciting. a couple, right. And it's funny how I noticed a couple other little things from listening you know, I said like the little part of blues run the game and children in bloom. I noticed the little, yeah. So that, that's great. So now speaking of covers that can kind of sound like a count and crow song, but maybe I'm giving count and crows too much credit. I don't know, which would be the big news of the last week or so that, mm. that Adam, the newly the new Taylor Swift fan who talked about going to see them in uh, earlier this year, how his girlfriend loves Taylor Swift, how he appreciates her best show. He only would have gotten tickets. He only got tickets because he's famous. And he started mm-hmm. covering the one and leading right into long December. Uh, I love it. The first time I heard it, I was like, "Ah, eh, you know, it's not, you know, he just plays a couple notes. And well, then on the way to the concert, I listened to it six times and I was like, Wow, did he pick a song that fits him too? Mm. It's not yeah. just a good Taylor Swift song, but it, it's but he picked the song, and I was almost on the dare I say the sixth time I heard it, I almost uh, started crying a little bit, maybe. Um, but it's because like it has those Adam themes of 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 you know almost some of the same themes of possibility days, right? Of regret. Right. What could have been? Um, well, and it begins too, right? It's 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 the love that could have been his wife, but it just wasn't going to happen because he was backpacking with her, and that this particular thing had to end. So this was about this was you know what could have been, and 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 going into long December, you know uh, the um, the the crowd favorite, I guess, even for non Crows fans, um, I think it's great the Taylor yeah. Swift cover. I like it too. I haven't, I've been waiting a little bit. I've been like listening a little bit on YouTube, but I'm like, I want the properly mastered version on yes. like Nugs. And I'm like, oh, come on, guys, put one up. Cause I, that's one of the other reasons they haven't put one up recently. And um, I, I want to hear a, a, the proper sort of mastered version of, of that song. Um, oh, and, and, yeah, the other I, thing- and I also always, I do like as a thing when he plays something at the piano in into Long December. Yes. Those are, I, 
I tend to like that. There's a lot of different things he's done over the years, and but every time I'm like, it's always good when he does Good Night L.A. Or well, that's what I was going to uh, say. That was the one that always struck me as my favorite when he did Good Night mm-hmm. L.A. and Too Long December. That was always my favorite. This might this is up there now with me, and he's only played it whatever five times, but I think it's great. Um, and you know what's great too is that in this tour, and I guess it's the maximum because tell me if I'm wrong, mm. but I used to, you know, we, we, we talked about like, oh, Jim brings a xylophone out for colorblind. Mm-hmm. I used to feel that way a little bit, although I guess it's not true about Charlie, because maybe there when he, when they weren't playing Omaha, oh, Charlie would come out and do the accordion for long December. Now they basically play Omaha every time, but then it makes yeah. me think, oh, there, there's these old songs that they play. He doesn't play the accordion anymore because I don't think he's played on, on any recent album, right, that I can... I don't think remember but he but now he comes out for or this tour he came out four times because he comes out omaha with the accordion long december with the accordion angels of the silences with the accordion and now he's playing the accordion on uh the one the taylor swift cover so interesting um so i was loving seeing charlie in the front now i don't want him to be a full-time accordion player because i think (laughs) he is literally one of the best keyboard players i I, yeah as i've said a hundred times i think he's a genius so I'd be curious um, to ask him about like what was it like to like break down because I don't know the Taylor Swift version well enough to know if there's an accordion part in the original or not. No, I and I've been listening to the Taylor Swift version a couple times. It, it's it's pretty poppy. Um, I mean the lyrics are great and stuff, but but it almost I I would almost argue that's not one of her best. Well, it's kind of yeah, almost not one of the best produced songs of hers in my opinion. Even though the song itself is great, mm. what about um, folklore? Right, which is a very it's intent not less produced, but it's like right, um, right. produced differently. Right, it's produced like it's produced by um Aaron Desner from the National, so it's produced it it sounds like an indie folk record, like it sounds like Taylor Swift fronting bony bear a little bit and literally yep. justin vernon's on one of those that's my favorite song from that record is the one the two of them do together um maybe we can get adam maybe adam and taylor do that song together um you know if, if when she finds out maybe we'll get that uh i, yeah. hate, I hate to i i'm never i'm never a fan of um of like fantasy booking um uh, you know duets or whatever but that would be pretty fun you know i don't know just saying, yeah. it's got there, guys. It's out there. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Um, and that's about it. We got the encore, and we kind of already talked because, of course, they do hanging around in Holiday mm-hmm. Spain every encore. We already talked about in the um, Long Island show uh, about them coming out with Dashboard Confessional. I I love that song. It was nice yeah. to see it live, um, and then time and time again, they've been. You know, although right, they did not play time and time again in your Long Island show, right? Even though that's yeah, one of they ran out of they ran out of time <laughs> essentially. But um, no, but it's great. And then they, look, that still sounded great. I think they've they've really been killing that song this that summer. That is the best. That again, that's another song that thirty years into their career, that is the best. I think the best live version of time and time again that they played ever. Um, and it was it was great. It was great and a great way to kick off the encore. If you're gonna have a couple of the Oh, Holiday in Spain hanging around again. I love that they added time and time again to it for this tour just to have kind of one deeper cut in there and one song that we haven't heard much in other recent tours. So was hanging around better with Frank Turner or with Dashboard Confessions? Oh, you, saw, you, you know, saw them so close together. Gosh, part of me th- thinks maybe it sounded better with Frank Turner, but I do like the chaos when mm. they have with Dashboard Confessional because with Frank Turner, it was just him and his 
not friend, but there was just two of them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Dashboard Confessional with his five in the band, I think, plus the those are six, six. If you have the, six, the, the, yeah. the backup singer, yeah. And um, and they're just having fun. They're just being silly. They're sitting next to each other. There's more people singing. Like if if I you know I don't need to hear hanging around again. But if I do, I actually like it when they bring everybody out on stage. Um, and at the end, Jim was jumping around, which he loves to do. I love Jim's energy. Um, we'll talk about that some other time. But you know, J- Jim. And I know that he used to joke it's partly because he's, quote unquote, the younger one. Right. They always <laughs> said that he and when he drums, he has I mean, I'm telling you, there are certain parts. I almost took notes about it, both in Children in Bloom. I think even Richard Mann. There's a couple songs, certainly Catapult. There are some songs that his I, I, I've always been amazed by. I told you the first time I saw Jim play live, I was like. And that was before he recorded with them. I was like, this guy is great. He fits in the Counting Crows and he still is. And I know he jokes once, oh, I'm the young guy. That's why I do things like jump around on stage and stuff. But I was like, yeah, but he's, I don't know how old he is. Let's say he's 42 or something. Well, when the other band members were 42, except for Adam, they weren't jumping around on stage. So it's also part of his personality and his enthusiasm. And it's infectious. And it comes out and hanging around another yeah. song. But Adam was calling out that one of the Oklahoma shows, apparently they'd shipped everything west because they were going out for the to the West Coast for the next run of shows. And uh, apparently all of Jim's pants went. Oh. And so he had to borrow a pair of Bryson's pants. And he's the, apparently the only one who could borrow Bryson's pants. Um, oh, Adam funny. was saying, Jim, you're playing great. You may just have to keep Bryson's pants. Maybe it's oh, something in the funny. pants. Um, okay, I love little stuff like that. No, I didn't yeah. catch that one. So no, that was yeah one of the one of the Oklahoma. I I can't recall which one. Um, so that's about the wrap. Now we're going to talk about the set list. But as far as my experience on the tour, and it's been almost an hour, mm-hmm. and your experience, I, I I don't have anything to say about my. Um, you know, I could mention, well, I guess this is not a bad part to do it. I don't want to go overboard about it, but both shows, um, I met some hard, some kind of hardcore fans, a couple of them. Um, maybe I'll briefly talk about some, and some of them I expect maybe to join on the show, but just kind of neat observations on the, on the first show. Um, as I said, there was somebody that told me about how much they were paying artists. So one thing is that there was a couple behind me that looked, I don't know, maybe mid fifties and you know, it's funny. They both had Crow's shirts on that they just bought. So at first mm. I was like, well, you know, they don't go much or maybe this is their first show and whatever. But then I did notice during the show that they had that they knew some deep cuts. And then so I did. I was like, OK, so I went up to them. Well, they were a couple from the UK who flew here mm. just to see all of the West Coast shows, except ironically, not the Berkeley show tonight. I think they had to leave yesterday. So they flew in and went to like six or seven shows and they're flying back to the UK. And they actually said, I said, I went to the Manchester show last year and they said, yes, it wasn't just you. That was one of the best shows. That was the best we've ever seen around here. Um, so that was great. And in fact, yeah. I saw them on the YouTube theater. And on that one, they actually had front row seats. Gary? Um, yeah, might have. I'm not sure. It might have been. He, he was, he's bald. I, I don't think he currently has hair. I know I and I don't know him well. I just but people yeah. I know from the the internet. So Gary, gets, okay. and, does he bring his either Andy? wife or partner yeah, or no, whatever? I know they were coming uh, to the to the West Coast for the show. Okay, that might have uh, been it then. That might yeah. be it, Gary. Gary really, sounds familiar. Um, and yeah, he's been a part of the online community for a very very long time, and it's okay. always um so yeah someone who's participating so and involved and it's great great to know that they're still out there enjoying the shows and, got yep. to- and they were laughing about how much they paid for the front row i guess i shouldn't even say but for the front row for the youtube theater but they said it was worth it and uh 
Um, so that, that was great to meet them. And I said, they just kind of, you can kind of tell, um, I met another, well, one interesting, and we'll kind of hint this, this is that I did see, cause I said the, the, the crowd was pretty bad at, at mm-hmm. Yamaba, but I did notice one kind of group where it seemed to be a mother, father, and the two daughters, and they all seemed to know all the lyrics. So mm-hmm. I went up to them after the show and I said, Oh, and then all of a sudden the two daughters quote unquote, weren't there. And he said, well, ironically, no, he goes, I have uh, daughters, but um, no, that those were just two. Uh, yeah, he said, I have daughters the same age, like 22, but those two girls were just hardcore 22-year-old fans. They were not my daughters, and they just happened to be s- sitting next to me. Um, so, But it was great to see them, and he was even trying to tell me. I didn't have time, but tell me the story. He's like, my, uh, I don't think he said conceived. I think he said born, but like, my first daughter was born while Murder of One was playing or Ooh. something like that. Well, that's um, an interesting one. That was an interesting song, and I was like, did he say conceived or born? I think he said <laughs> born, but I, I'd have to check on that. Uh, so that was that, that was great. And then one guy at the end of the show was because <laughs> he's just a concert fan, but he was telling me about it. And he said he's been seeing Crows live more in the last couple of years because he's, you know, he was never like a top. That wasn't like his top 10 band, but he's, mm. they're moving up the rankings because he thinks they're so good live. And so that was interesting. And he said he but, and then he wanted to give a plug. He goes uh, for your podcast. I still think the best live band is Wilco. So he's a big Wilco fan. Um, but anyway. So that, that was I've never been a big Wilco, and, and someone will flame me in comments or something, yeah. but I've never been a big Wilco guy. I mean, I liked Yankee Hotel Foxtrot just like every other person in college and like liberal arts colleges in the 2003. I don't think anyone didn't have a copy of that record, but um, yeah, I don't know. The um, so then the YouTube show, well, and then I'll, I'll mention a couple by uh, I met three. I, I told you I talked to the person who had the band t shirt, and then I did meet two other people who I'll just quickly mention. Uh, but one, it was a similar thing where I saw I just talked to the woman in the band t shirt, and then three um women walked by me, and they were you could just tell they had you know, some people just walk in there, they had such full of energy, and it wasn't <laughs> drunken energy either. You could just tell they were like so excited, they all they were all dressed in different fashionable but not brand new cat and crows t-shirts right so they had stuff from like prior tours mm-hmm. and they all looked young and i was almost like same thing and they kind of like kind of saw me and we just chatted real quick and i was like wow you seem young how did you get into the crows well it ends up two of them were young not the third uh the third being uh the mother uh she gave me a name uh, zubia i'll even say uh and she was like yeah the reason they they are we all are hardcore fans and i passed down the love of crows to my young daughters and now they're as obsessed as i am so um i might want to hear because I, I think that's so interesting right yeah. and i have met some there was one time even in a wisconsin show but this was 10 years ago now, but, but there was one college, I guess, undergrad at the time came by herself to the meet and greet. And I just said, Whoa, I usually wouldn't expect to see a 21 year old college girl by herself at the meet and greet. And she goes, you know what? My father played cat and crows in the car all the time. And then I started to fall in love with them myself. Um, yeah. And then I met another, uh, younger man who I'll talk to, uh, I hope to get on the show, but by the way, the, the fans all started with Z there was Zubia, right. And then Zephyr was another, uh, guy he, I, you know, I don't know his age. I'm gonna, cause we were just talking about other things. I want to say maybe late twenties, early thirties. So I, I don't know how he got into the crows, but he, he actually paid for the, um, the sound check and everything too. Um, yeah. And by the, I do want to say, I'd love to hear from other crows fans, when I saw a sound check once, Adam did not look at the people there at all. He had his back to, 
turn towards, which I actually understand. He's trying to do sound check and concentrate and doesn't want to make eye contact. And he's kind of mentally going through stuff. When Jeff joined our podcast last time, and recently, he said he right saw again. them twice in soundcheck, and both mm. times he's looking at the audience, he's taking questions from the audience. Uh, Zephyr, who paid for this one, said absolutely not. He had his back turned. Um, oh, he did a couple songs, yeah. So, so, um, yeah. And uh, so, anyway, that was that. I guess it's mood or what they're, yeah, how intensely yeah. they're working that day. You know, some days it might just be, hey, we're just checking the sound of stuff and and making sure we're okay. And other times it might be, okay, we're really trying to get this part of the song right and we got to focus you know and i and i um, kind of think if he's expecting it exactly to be a bigger show like the la show because he has friends there and stuff he's going to want to concentrate more on the sound check maybe yeah. so i also wonder if it's a little bit though being a little bit more effusive about it is it maybe a partially a replacement for the sound checks used to also have like a meet and greet aspect that i yes. obviously in the, in the COVID era they still have yes. not brought back um so it might maybe maybe a little bit of that i don't know um you know, I'll, I'll, I would love to know that some of the some of the motivations on some of that stuff of what is driving people that day. Or yeah, and I kind of thought sound checks had four songs. He said it was three songs. Now, interestingly, he said one was catapult, which they actually started with because sometimes, of course, the songs they play in sound check, uh, the other two songs they did not. You know, either they're practicing songs or like start again is one of their favorite sound like checks. He says that. Yeah, right? like a fifty percent chance of seeing start again. You know, in the sound check. If I think it's higher. It. Yeah, higher, probably seventy five percent. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, and then, and then I know the prices of these things have gone up. There was a lot of people there that were paying for the VIP package that gives them, you know, like I don't know, a poster and a bag and all this stuff, but they don't get to see the sound check. So, you know, I mean, I'm a hardcore fan. Am I gonna? How much am I gonna pay to either get, you know, a certain level of seats or whatever? You know, I have my limits, uh, and this time I did not do the VIP or the sound check. I will say just a couple other notes, just on on sort of the tour. Um, Another one that I really like, they only brought out once, I think, so far, unless I missed one in the last week or so. Uh, they brought back Return of the Grievous Angel, the old Graham Parsons song. Yes. Which I've always – there are songs that are interesting because I, I'll find that a lot of people cover them. Like it's something connective about artists that I like also like this song. That I Obviously, I probably – The Crows were the first, I think, I heard cover that song, but I've heard a lot since – play that song whiskey town and all the things and um so it is interesting sometimes there are songs that seem to just kind of cut across that just for whatever reason like people who like i I like all these artists they all seem to like this um and that's one of them and i again i'm a big uh a big fan of that song and a big uh again a big graham parsons fan i think in part because of the influence of adam Durtz. No, thanks for bringing that up because I was going to segue into our final part, but I did want to. I did have the stats, and I actually I have it for the year, so I guess that includes one or two shows, one in particular that was before their tour. Um, so uh, I do have the songs they played, and again, even though there's like eight, nine, well, there's nine, basically half their set list, they play the same every show. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, it seems to be kind of the same songs they rotate in and out. But if you look at the all the songs they played this year, they played more than 50 different songs. Now, some of them, they only played a handful of times or less, but you can't fault them for, you know, for, for, for a set list that's usually 20 and they're playing the same nine. Well, yeah. And, and, and like you said, so, so, and uh, so the fun fact is that long December, they officially did not play every show because there was some kind of intro show or something in Arizona where they only played like six songs or something earlier in the year. 
and, and uh, Long December was not one of them. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So uh, the only songs they played at every show this year were Hanging Around Mr. Jones and Rain King. And of course, Long December. Color. So every show in the Banshee tour, they also played besides Hanging Around Mr. Jones and Rain King. They played Long December every time, Colorblind, Holiday in Spain, and Omaha. And every show but one round here. So those eight songs and almost every show, it looks like they only skipped it like three times. They played Butterfly in Reverse. So that those are nine songs already. And then most song, most shows, they play time and time again in Miami. 40 time and time agains. Yep. Um, interestingly, which is, a, again, just a lot when you think about like, oh, they, <laughs> they hadn't been playing that. Yeah. And then if um, you think they're going to play Big Yellow Taxi and, and So Long So Long with dashboards there. So those are more songs that they're going to cover uh, most shows. So, um, so anyway... Uh, you know, yeah. there's a couple like you pointed out, and I got lucky with Ballad of El Gudo that you'd have only played twice. Um, 14 plays, interestingly, for this the whole year, 14 yeah. plays of the suite, which yep. when they've played 40 over 45 shows means it's now down to a third. And obviously a lot of that is not being it not being played this summer for a lot of the sh- of the tour. Yeah, that's right. Um, big, but Big Yellow Miami, Big Yellow Taxi, Angels of the Silences, and If I Could Give All My Love, Richard Manuel are kind of the middle right after. But there's a big drop-off. You go from 40 yeah. time and time again, 31 so long, so long. And then it's the in the 20s is just Miami, Big Yellow Taxi, Angels, and uh, if I can give all my love. And Palisades then, and, then, and Sullivan and the, and after that. Yep, yeah, and then they have a couple. But it's interesting that they like, because these were two songs I really wanted to hear, that like Four Days in High Life, they only played six times, which almost kind of surprises me because you'd think that they would have had a, unless they just... Like, it seems like songs that they'd have to practice to get back into the rotation, and mm. they've only played it, like, five times, right? Because some of these songs that, um, like, I Wish I Was a Girl, they played it so, They played it enough, I think, that they didn't need to practice. Or good, good Time is definitely a song they don't need to practice. I think they know right. Good Time. Um, well, Four Days, though, I feel like they it was kind of in the rotation. Let me actually look up the, because I have the list up. But, yeah, it was kind of in the rotation for just a few weeks. That was kind yeah. of the thing, that it was there. They played it. Over the course of two weeks, four times, then two times in August. Yep. So, so there you it, go. It so, was in rotation and playing. It just it dropped out of the rotation. It dropped again. out before I saw them. Yeah. So. It's one of the things I, I think right now where they're at as a band in the summers. It's I think you kind of got in some ways the be, the best answer, which is you saw them at the beginning of the tour and yeah. then towards the end a couple times. I think that you're almost better off seeing them like once a month if that was possible mm. than seeing them twice in a week because. Over the course of a week, it's kind of like, well, again, we've been feel they've been really feeling that batch of songs, which means you then get a somewhat sim- a pretty similar set over the course, even though you went to see two different shows. You know, oh, that's right, that's right. So this got us thinking, and and you know, we don't have too much left of this episode, but this got a lot of us thinking because I don't know when I'll see them again. Um, I've almost reached. I, I don't have it here. I think I, I think this was show number nineteen, the last one for me. So I've almost gotten to the twenty. Uh, which then, yeah, I think it was, yeah, 19. So I went and actually figured out what songs I've seen live and, and I basically knew. And, and it's funny, if you look at my, you know, top 10, it's basically the songs that we covered, you know, Rain King, Mr. Jones, Long December. But interestingly enough, making, like, cracking top, top tied for the top 10, which St. Robinson, Hard Candy, and Richard Manuel. I, I've also, I've seen all those show, those almost uh, more than half the time. Uh, so we one thing that we talked about, Chris and I, off, but I don't know his list, is we said now that you've seen them 50 plus times, right? And I've seen them uh, almost 20. Are there up to five songs that you've never seen live 
that you'd love them to play. And so, Chris, let's start with you. And I'm sure some fans have heard these live, but you haven't, maybe. Yeah, this is a little bit hard. So, and and part of the issue is that, again, seeing those three Walmart shows in 2008, it's a little bit of a cheat on never seen live because they played so many different songs over the course That's of the That's true. So, uh, my, my number one that I'd really love to see um, would be Chelsea. They've only played that a few times. I would love to see them play that again if they... I don't know, as part of, if, if they are going to possibly do Recovering the Satellites thing, if they were to bring that back, I think that'd be great. And, that's, and it's, a, it's a song about New York City. I can't, it's weird. In part, it's weird <laughs> as, as someone who loves New York City as much as he does that they don't play that song. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's, that, there, there's the Disney Orchestra. Part of it's interesting is that there are, I don't know, maybe they played a few more times this, but there's at least three kind of famous versions of Chelsea, at least to me. There's obviously the one at the end of... Um, Across a Wire, which is incredible. There's a version where it's used as an alt in Goodnight Elizabeth in 2002, I think. That is maybe my favorite version of Elizabeth. And I I really like that song and a lot of those alts. And that's maybe my favorite. And there's also a version when they did the um, the orchestra record. Uh, not record. not The orchestra performances of Chelsea, which is beautiful. I would love to see them bring that back. And that would be, that's my number one by a, a wide margin, I think. Did you have another one that you that you had on that list or not really? Oh, sure. again, I'll, I'll give you a couple. A, a couple. Give me, a couple. Of, give me give me two more at least. These are a couple of deep ones, and and then one I'll tell you that's it's kind of a little bit of a cheat. Um, Suffocate, which is a very I mean that's okay. a very deep cut, but that's from a B side, a not B side, an, an outtake from Recovering the Satellites. That is just a really cool song. And again, they've only pl- they haven't played that live in twenty five years. Um, Sunday morning, L.A. Yep, from um, Saturday nights and Sunday oh, mornings. The, um, the 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 Apple iTunes exclusive or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's a great song that they've. I don't think they've ever played that one. Um, and here's the one that's a little bit of a cheat, but I really do mean this. I would love to see them play "Holiday in Spain" with Bluff one time. Oh, okay. I think it's okay. basically a different song at that point, and I would love to see that. I'm guessing that you've seen three. I think I know that you've seen three of the five on my list. One of them, I'm not sure, and one I think. Well, it might be impossible. Let me see. So I, so so the number one, and, and this is a song that they play a lot, and it's one of my favorites. And I, I almost thought I had seen it live, but I definitely have not. I guess my real white whale. Oh, by the way, I do have to preface that I think with the first, the first show, I think, or one of the shows, Chris said, "What's the one song you never saw live?" And I said, "Oh, it was solved last year because I always wanted to see 1492. What ends up I had seen fourteen ninety two before and didn't remember, <laughs> or, or was drunk. Or whatever, and I can't remember. And I was like, "Geez!" Until I did the spreadsheet, it and, but it was like more I was than ten at, years. I was looking because I was looking at the set list the last time I went to see them in LA, um, which is a long time ago now, like ten years. And I was like, "Wait a minute! They played Mercury on those shows. I thought I only saw them play Mercury once." And I'm like, "No, I'd forgotten that." And yeah, sometimes it happens. It's you I'm see not- enough shows and. Over Sometimes long enough years in but our brains. Clearly, yeah. my number one song that because it's partly because they have they do play it somewhat regularly, and they were supposedly, according to Jeff uh, uh, Harkness, they were good. They were wanted to bring back on this tour, but they couldn't get it right. Is all my friends. Hmm. I love all my friends. I love them jam. I think seeing it on YouTube when they jam out in the last like two minutes of that song, kind of. I love it. I love the lyrics. I love everything about that song. I hope I get to see it sometime. My number two, which I want to say, I know a lot of people, if you ask them, you know what they're going to say? They'd be like, Einstein on the beach, because they love that song. It was one of their, I don't, that is not on my list because I don't think they'll ever play it. And so I don't even think about it. 
and they really haven't ever played it except for a couple times. But the one song they did only play for like a couple months, which would be the uh, extra track on films about ghosts. She don't want nobody near. I mm. love that song. And by the way, if, if we've seen it on the Reddit, that's kind of a fan favorite song more than I thought. People love that song and yeah. they don't play it live. Um, it one, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I have not seen that one. Okay. Um, Cause I only saw them a couple of times in the, in 2003. My first time I saw them was 2003. The song wasn't out yet. I saw them again in 2004 and I think they'd already dropped it. So I've never seen them play that either. Yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great tune. I'm actually curious how many times I've got the setlist.fm. Yeah, check it out. I know list. they played it. I know they played it a couple times on Eight. TV. Okay, Eight and times I think total. And I think three of those were like TV appearances. So to promote the the greatest hits, so it was like literally only played yeah. it because they were on the Today Show or something. Yeah, exactly. It was, there's three TV shows: PBS Soundstage, uh, the China Club in New York, which I'm pretty sure was like a record company thing. And then NBC Studios in Burbank, which I think is the Tonight Show. Yeah. And then during their winter run, which they used to do in the at, in San Francisco and LA, they played it four times, and that's the they have that's not it. touched so, it. Yeah. Since so you had four. You really had four chances to see it, and so I did not. Um, another one that they play fairly, I don't want to say regularly, but comes up on occasion. That I don't know. I want to see live is Monkey. I've never seen it live. Mm. I've told you I love the fact that they reference Ben Folds, and then since then, two of the Ben Folds, you know, band members are now on the band. And then mm-hmm. Jim actually plays an extra part when they say Ben Folds. He bangs on the drums really hard, and he <laughs> sta- and he stares at Millard. I want to see that in person. That's kind of a little thing by me. Um, one that I was wondering if you've seen, which I was trying to think because Saturday Night Sunday Mornings was a tour. I really didn't uh, see much, and I've only seen a couple songs, and mostly Washington Square, Michelangelo, and a little bit come around. I, I, I was, I, I guess I'd really like to see Cowboys. I've never seen that live. I don't know if you have. I de- so they played that a lot when when that record came out. So I definitely saw that a bunch of times because again, I saw them so much in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Okay, um, I, I probably saw them play that a, a lot. Um, but yeah, that's one that's that's a great song, and they, I feel like they've really. Again, they've dropped a lot of that record, and it would be nice to see some of those songs, I think, come back. Yes. Even occasionally, right? I mean, in terms of guitar songs, especially if you're talking about the place that Children in Bloom and sometimes recovering the satellites yep. or Miami plays with a guitar solo, I think you could do that with Cowboys as well um, as an alternative choice to be I mean, the, the resting voice one. My only thing about the Cowboys that, yeah, well, you're right, because it does seem like it's really hard to sing, but maybe they can do some other things to, and he could change it a little bit to save his voice a little bit. I mean, the studio version, when I hear him sing that, or if you watch the video of the studio version, um, it just, when I watch it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that that pained him to sing that. But uh, so the, the last one on my top five of songs I never saw, which is only because I missed one of the tours, because kind of like time and time again, they played it almost every show of that tour. And the weird thing is, before this happened, I was like, they're never. And in fact, I think before this tour and after the tour, they never played it live. It literally was the one song they never played live except for the one tour. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Why won't you come when I call? OK, so it's, it's funny because the next thing we were going to talk about is songs that you wish they'd play again. Oh, okay. it's funny that we haven't discussed this. That is one of my all time favorite songs. Oh, me too. OK. Um, Of theirs. I was so excited when they worked up a version of that with Augustana. I think I yes. got to see them play it three times in a week. Okay. And I did not I go to that, that tour. tour. And then on that, they played it on that tour and then it just totally disappeared. They've never gone back to it. 
Um, I was actually thinking, you know, with with Dashboard, Dashboard's got great singers in it, yes. right? They've got the two. Because yeah. I think one of the things, one of the reasons they did it with Augustana was that Augustana was also a really good, at the time, harmony band. So yeah. they had extra, lots of singers. And I think right. they feel like they need a lot of voices for that song. And I get it. I When I watched them with Dashboard, I was like, man, that's, I'm thinking about it, but this was kind of a missed opportunity to not do that song with the extra singers from Dashboard, yes. who would probably be awesome backup singers on Why Should You Come When I Call. But yeah, I've always loved I've always loved that song. It's such an interesting and introspective. Adam has this way sometimes, you know, that song's kind of a little bit about being a dick with yeah. women, you know, but it's also about it the booty call song, right? It's That's a booty. I mean, it's about booty calls, but it's also about like asking yourself so many questions about this. Like, yes, why does this person come? What does that say yeah. about me or about them? Yep. Should they be doing better? Should I be doing? Who are we both doing the right? I, who knows? You know, and and asking those questions, which I think it's a very interesting uh, perspective on something that tends to be written about, and I think in a way that's not that interesting. Um, and I think Adam's written songs about it that aren't nearly as good as as that song. Yeah, um, and also as you said, great harmonies. And I was going to say something else, but I'll, I'll wait until we do the hard candy one. But I but I love that song, and it's funny because I could be wrong, but I think um, going back, you know, ten years ago when I was looking at songs I wanted to see live, and this was before the Augustana tour, and I think I was even writing on the message boards or something like, "Am I wrong, or did they? Is this like the one song they have never played live?" And I never think played they it. never played it at all live at all until Augustana. Uh, Augustana, right? Two thousand eight. So at the end of the two thousand eight tour, which is the one where Bryson and Charlie left early, and Augustana was helping them out a lot. Okay. They 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 figured out a version. They played it twice on the next on the they played it twelve times the next year. Okay. On the um, on the the traveling circus show and again i I saw three of those accounts there and then they played it one time in 2010 and that was the last time yeah and they have not played it since then and yeah i agree they should absolutely bring that song back that back you know i I have a feeling that you know i again if people will give comments or emails besides the einstein which again a lot of people it's not even on my list but or because i don't think they'll ever play it but i know a lot of people have that on their list and the other one which they do play on occasion, but very, 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 very rarely. And I know a lot of people, and I got to see it once, luckily. I know a lot of people want to see Up All Night. That's on a hmm. lot of people's white whale list, I think, that because they haven't played Up All Night that much in their career. Uh, I know that he said that that's a hard one for him to sing, some of the notes. I think he said that was one of the reasons he didn't have it more, even when his voice was uh, younger, I guess. Yeah, um, and that's another you- one they played a little bit more. You know, they played that with Augustana yeah. in 2010 and 2008 a little bit. They played it a little uh, – they played it in 2012 a bunch of times. And they played it a few times in 2016. But other, otherwise, again, it's really after they – they played it sometimes initially, 2003, 2004. Yeah, I saw it in 08, um, I guess, with Yeah, the they Maroon. played it a few times in 2008, too, um, at the – I guess kind of across the tour that, that time. Yeah. Um, and I but, guess but that would have been one of the times I saw it. Not, a, no, not of, a lot. I mean, I guess if you, if you, if you, I guess the, the thing is with Up All Night, if you, if you ask people their top 10 Counting Crows songs and then match those top 10 lists with how often they play those Counting Crows songs, I think up, that's why Up All Night stands out. I think Up All Night is a lot of hardcore fans, one of their top 10 or top 20 songs. And out of that list, 
their career, they haven't played it that much. Yeah. Well, and to bring it back to that point I made earlier that about Butterfly in Reverse, right? I think Butterfly in Reverse, why should you come when I call uh, up all night? Um, and you could even... Maybe New Frontier. New Frontier as well. Yeah. There's all these songs from Hard Candy that have this, I think, unique place in their catalog. They're very, um, just sort of, they're very different than the rest of the catalog. Yes. And so there's a lot of people who love some of those songs and some more than others. But I think it'd be really cool to see them work in more of those songs more regularly. Feels like a lot of times Hard Candy gets relegated to the title track, Richard Manuel, Big Yellow Taxi, Miami. And it's kind of like, well, there's it's a long album, actually. And yep. there's a lot of really good songs on there that and, and I think they would all all of those songs would kind of fit in the set list sort of the same way that Butterfly in Reverse does. That's why I'm sort of like you yes. could almost rotate if you wanted to um, those. And so I think, yeah, or or again, just decide next year you're going to play up all night for a year and then after that yeah. you're going to play why should you come when i call for a year <laughs> right right that's what yeah um, i think they might do that um so I, yeah it was really tough to me i guess i'll end with uh for me um although there's actually maybe five but 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 songs that i heard once and kind of yeah that i really i didn't appreciate and want to hear again if you, my number one is actually hanging tree hmm um yeah, we'll talk about this song when we review the video. But but look at the um but they have a live version that you know on some of the YouTube I think it's on the Cannon Crows official, but there's also do you know the Cannon Crows on the YouTube? There's also is it by there's a certain video production company that they have like ten uh, is it SBC. 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 Yeah, which is I Ed think, Hood, um who used to be like the most prolific Counting Crows taper and then now works for the band. Okay. So they have a version of Hanging Tree. It's 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 so good. I mean, I just I'm blown away and I've seen it so many times. So that and another song that they just jam out and um and Jim is so good in it and Charlie's so good. I mean, yeah, Charlie. So yeah, Hanging Tree. If I had a, a a choice of a song that I've heard once that please can you play again, it would be Hanging Tree. So the one I have there that I've seen them do it more than a couple of times, but mostly as an alt and only once or twice as the song itself would be raining in Baltimore. I love raining in Baltimore. They've once or I think Bowery ballroom, maybe there's one other I'm forgetting, but I've seen them play the whole thing again. If you're sitting before, you know, um, long December, if he was tapping that out with, Ooh, and that's another, if Charlie's going to get used out of that accordion. Yeah. That's another good one. We gotta right. get if he's That's gonna get true. The, the positives of using the recording out there. Um, yeah, I think uh that's that's the one that's number one on my list in terms of is that I had that and why should you come when I call? Yeah, it? I never I never saw reading one Baltimore except for in in alts or whatever. But but, but I should know this as a as a podcast host, but on on the on the um on the uh August uh, live music out, you know, and they did mm. the did yeah. the entire album again. Isn't there something raining Baltimore is 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 an alt there? It's not by it's itself. Here. Right? It's an alt around here. It's an alt around here. Yeah, okay, because yeah. that's the one song that they actually didn't do a separate. He doesn't play that song a lot separately. It's it's very very rare. Yeah. Um, I'm actually trying to find the list. It's not he pl- he played it a lot in 2007. Um, okay, that was a thing. But then in 2000. Um, we played a few times in 2008. That's where okay. I, I saw it a couple of times in 08. Okay. The last time he apparently did it by himself was 2011. Okay. Um, so yeah, almost so like, yeah. you know, 12, yeah, over 10 years. So, okay. Yeah. Um, I, and I will say it's interesting. I was looking as you were talking about the songs that you were, what your sort of ones you want to see or haven't seen. Yeah. Monkey, I haven't seen since 2006. 
Okay, almost 20 years now. Yeah, it's been a long <laughs> time. I caught that uh, at Jones Beach in uh, in 2006. When they'd, that's another time they'd started bringing that song back and playing it. Um, and all my friends, it had been a while been a while for me, too. I caught that one a couple times in, again, the late the late aughts. But that's the thing. It's been 15 years yeah. you know, for a lot of these songs. So... <laughs> So team all my friends. All right. Well, that's that's it for me. We 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 yeah. talk quite a bit and uh um yeah, anything else to add or No, I think it's I think it's been a great tour. I think you know, I think people I always say with this with with Counting Crows, which is that anytime you think the band has kind of stagnated is kind of exactly when things are going to get interesting again. It's something the nature something about the nature of of the way they play in the stasis where you know, they'll sometimes go through these stretches where they're playing a lot of the same stuff or playing, you know, just kind of feeling a certain way. But you're you're just right around the corner from them going like, oh, we haven't played that one in a while. Ah, screw the <laughs> screw, screw the sweet. We're going to we're going to start playing Angels, the Silences, Children in Bloom and, you know, Ballad of El Goodo every night. And right, just, right. It, there's always it's it's always a ride with them and always an interesting roller coaster. And uh it's always it's why it stays fun to be a fan of this band is that it never, it, you know, you'll have you'll have little stretches where it's the same, but it's it's never too stagnant for too long, and there's always uh, fun things coming. So excited to see what the rest of the tour brings. Thank you, thank you so much, and uh, to the fans out there, I hope you also got to see them at least once and enjoyed the tour. And we'll see what happens next uh, for our favorite band, and and we'll be keeping up the date. For example, do they actually record another suite and release that anytime in the next couple of years? <laughs> we'll find out, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll be following everything down here on Sullivan Street. Thank you so much.